Today on the Toppy Show, Vivek on a list of MSM lies going viral. Bud Light Man New Jersey tweet mostly flops and fake responses. New Jersey wins the contract to host the 2026 World Cup final. Fast food are ramping up prices as minimum wage laws skyrocket. And Honda to recall 750,000 vehicles due to bad airbags, even affecting the iconic Civic. All of that and much more on the Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Toppy Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that's joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of February, so click that button. I would greatly appreciate it. Now going over to the business part of the podcast, you have New Jersey winning the contract to host the 2026 World Cup Final. Now this will be astonishingly fun for all 18 soccer fans in the United States. Kidding, I know the sport is dramatically increasing, but in the U.S., the sports balls that most people worship is football. Which, ironically, you play with your hands, mostly. But nevertheless, this comes to us thanks to Riva Gold over at LinkedIn News. And they noted that... FIFA announced that they will utilize the, geez Louise, it looks like New Jersey's MetLife Stadiums. And that stadium is worth $1.6 billion. They know that the stadium is about 10 miles from Manhattan and home to the, the New York Giants. Although, I'm pretty sure they're all about average height, nevertheless. As well as the New York Jets, which, pathetically enough, they don't own a subsidiary that makes aircraft or jets. So, there's that. And they noted that they claim to have beat out locations like Dallas and Los Angeles. Now, they did know that Dallas is still hosting nine games of the tournament, while Los Angeles will host the U.S. opening game. The expanded 48-nation tournament is set to spread across three countries for the first time, with 78 matches in the U.S. and 13 in each Canada, as well as Mexico. So it'll be interesting to see how much money do they print for these as more and more people worship sports balls. But also, what kind of revenue split are we talking here? That's what I'm really, I'm really going to be excited when we get to learn that data. Since FIFA is notorious for being very shrewd negotiators and taking a majority of the profits and revenues from the venues and the hosts and the events. So it'll be interesting to see how much actual value does the New Jersey Stadium get from this. Obviously, there's a cliche, they get publicity and they'll get foot traffic there, obviously. But I wonder how much of that money do they really keep at the end of the day and... I don't know how many, maybe it's just me, but how many people are really dying to go to visit New Jersey? I, I can't fathom anyone in my life ever bragging about going to New Jersey. I mean, both FIFA and New Jersey are very reputable, honest organizations and as well as the state. I'm sure this deal was completely on the up and up without any allocations of bribery. That's never happened to FIFA before, of course. Uh, yeah, it has. But at the end of the day, it'll be interesting to see. How much do they really make? Other interesting business news, you have fast food restaurants jacking up prices as minimum wage laws kick into effect. Who would have thought it? Ah, yes, anyone with a modicum of business intelligence, or just any intelligence for that matter. Although it's fascinating to see the social media and the culture, different sample sizes. If you look on LinkedIn, many people are foolishly applauding dramatically increasing and ramping up minimum wage across the U.S., across industries for no real reason except they rudimentarily think, oh yeah, this will help people. No, 
theory are mentally vacuous if people make those statements, rather. They don't know how to understand how business or inflation works. And my favorite metaphor or analogy or way to describe the increase in minimum wage laws in the United States is if you do not possess a certain skill set, that, that means you're productive to the business to a certain price point, the government is taking away your ability to work. They're quite literally saying you don't deserve to work because you do not achieve this level of productivity. For example, if Bob makes burgers and his productivity level is $5 per hour. That's how much that is how productive he can be. And yet the government is saying you have to pay him $20 per hour. That means every hour they're losing $15 per hour or even more if you consider additional overhead costs with the cost of training the employee, with the cost of the, in some states, in some instances, you also have the cost of health insurance, debt. It's a terrible night for businesses. So only way they can really cope with that is by jacking up the prices exponentially to make up for that gap. Now, this comes to us thanks to Kara Reinhardt over at LinkedIn News. They had noted that both major chains, including, oh, see here, McDonald's, Chipotle, Jack and Bosque are going to plan to raise prices to cope with the higher labor costs in California. Again, you get what you vote for. They note that the state is increasing the minimum wage for fast food workers in April to $20 per hour from $16 an hour. That is ridiculous to say the least. Not to be an old soul as usual, but back in my day, I was making $7 and what was it, 38 cents per hour? And we were dang happy with the wage. And that wage provided the business the ability to make some money as well as provide the price point for the consumer at a reasonable rate where they could actually purchase the products and services that the business was selling. Now, in this case, a McDonald's franchise group added that the additional burden comes to in at a quarter million dollars per restaurant per year. Jeez Louise. So the increased cost is a quarter million of dollars per restaurant per year. Now keep in mind, many franchise families and organizations own multiple restaurants, so that cost is going to be adding up in the aggregate quite astronomically. I mean, imagine if you owned, I mean, just two restaurants, that's already half a million dollars. Four restaurants, that's a million dollars every year in increased cost. And it's also California, one of the most difficult places to do business, though due to the sheer overwhelming sample size of prospective clients, this just that's why so many businesses are fighting to stay afloat there because they know they have a huge opportunity of people to sell to. Now, it looks like industry consultants firms estimate the extra dollar extra dollars in hourly wages necessitates at minimum two percent increase in prices. They also know that the birthplace of McDonald's and In-N-Out counts about 761,900 people employed in the industry. Price increase in many, in many proportions helped McDonald's U.S. last quarter. But the conflict, and they also know the conflict in the Middle East, has had an impact on their businesses. So be, again, that is terrible to say the least. It's Again, if you don't have that skill set, they're not going to, it's just removing you from the employment pool, which perhaps, you know, moderate conspiracy theory, that's what the government wants, is then you'll be dependent on the system and the benefits that they give you in exchange for their vote. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see what's, at what point do everyone just, just stop eating fast food? Fast food used to be especially beneficial to the consumer because it was fast, convenient, and cheap. It's no longer cheap, it's not really convenient with I mean, even when I was a youth growing up back in my day, they would get the orders wrong all the time. There's 
really only one conceivable solution to California's fast food industry right now, and it's going to be exponentially ramping up automated technologies. And you're going to have to have, yes, you'll have to pay certain employees more per hour because they'll be basically technicians or, you know, technical experts on the products, but it'll be dramatically less overall, I believe, than having a whole kitchen of people that, again, most of them can't, I don't believe it'll be sustainable long-term with the increase in wages. And again, fast, I mean, McDonald's is going viral in a bad way these days because people are showing receipts where a meal at McDonald's is costing 18 to 30 bucks for McDonald's. And again, McDonald's is the most famous, the most successful fast food chain in history, also a real estate company. And they're known for, again, being fast, cheap, convenient. But they no longer have those things. I mean, I even, should be told I'm a little bit of a health nut, so I just make my own food the overall majority of the time, unless I'm with a client, I usually never eat out. But in terms of fast food, I mean, I haven't gotten fast food in over a decade at least. So it'll be interesting to see, I mean, do they need a lobbyist? Do they need someone to realize that this is destroying jobs, not creating jobs, and destroying industry, not create it? I can't fathom how these companies are gonna stay in business in California. And they all wanna be there, despite the regulation, despite the taxes, there is, that's what a lot of people don't realize. I always say, why don't you just skip business in California? It's because, just like the automotive companies, while they're making all these regulations, so they have to make these cars are more expensive and not good for the environment, but they think it's good for the environment because they're only thinking about single variable analysis. But, I mean, for automotive, it's the 10th largest market on the planet. It's bigger than some countries, just a single state of California. So that's why these fast food chains are going to stay there as long as conceivable. But I suspect you're going to have to ramp up automation. You have to get really creative again in order to avoid jacking up these prices even more, which the consumers, I mean, you've seen the decrease in sale. I don't see the consumers accepting this for much longer. Although, let me know in the comments, would you be willing to go to McDonald's if it would cost you, you know, 18 to 20 to $30? I mean, personally, I wouldn't, but as usual, it'll be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Now going over to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light win a Manning jersey pretty much flops. Now this comes as Bud Light is exponentially ramping up their marketing dollars in its futile attempt to win back consumers. I say futile because the mechanisms and the methodologies they've been using for marketing lately really haven't been very effective. The sales has not gone up and they're not really trying anything new or different. And again, they made one of the biggest perhaps the biggest business blunder in history. They paid Dylan Mulvaney $185,000, which is an inconceivable amount of money for most people, just for like two pictures and a video, which is a, ultimately the most negative ROI in history. They paid that person $185,000. They lost, in one fiscal quarter, they lost $400 million in sales for Bud Light alone. Again, it's a, Andrew Bush and Bev owns over, over 40 beer brands. So they've been trying to get those customers back that they so brilliant, oh, hilariously, ineptitude, I'm trying to think of a, an accurate way to describe Alyssa Heiderschild, the VP of marketing or the marketing lead who executed that project, mentally vacuous marketing director. But nevertheless, they've been trying to get their customers back. And thus far, they've reverted, basically reverted back to pre-Dillon controversy ads. So they're paying sports balls dollars to have brand endorsements in that regard. They're hiring some comedians. But again, they've done that for decades. And a wise man once said, was uh, the age-old saying, to get something you've never gotten, you must do something you've never done. And that's what they need to do in this instance. They need to do some type of marketing mechanism, some type of campaign 
that they've never done before. Because again, right now there's copy pasting from the old playbook, pun moderately intended since they're doing so many sports balls endorsements. And again, that's not moving the needle. A lot of people speculate that an apology from the CEO, Brandon Whitworth, former CIA operative, might assist. And of the 30% of sales they've lost, I suspect they might, that would probably give them 5% of their sales back. Now, they're in between a rock and a hard place, pun moderately intended with some things, but because if they were to do that, then they might alienate more people on the far left as this has become a political conversation, a political topic, which again, in business, you unless you sell, unless you are a, most businesses, there's not much benefit to go into those topics because they're highly polarizing. You'll, on average, you'll piss off 50% of the market. So you could also debate how many people on the far left buy Bud Light, but nevertheless, they've chosen not to go the apology route. They've chosen to ignore the elephant in the room or the donkey in the room. But nevertheless, they've been trying the same old thing. And that's why, again, people love free stuff. There will never be a lack of people who want free stuff. That's why you see some interaction with these posts on social media. And there are some of those. However, if you look at the profiles, they're not real. We'll take two. We'll take a couple of samples today. The comments that get the most likes are all negative. But don't take my word for it. Let's dive in. Now, this starts with Bud Light saying, quote, who wants to win some merch signed by the sheriff? Comment, unquote. Oh no, they also say hashtag Peyton merch, hashtag sweepstakes for a chance to win, unquote. Then it has a picture of one of the Manning brothers holding up a jersey with the number 18 on it. It does say Manning, it does look like he signed it with a Sharpie. Although knowing Manning, I'm surprised he didn't turn the Sharpie so he could actually see the Sharpie logo so he can make a couple extra dollars of sponsorship. And his smile is perhaps as awkward as Ron DeSantis or Dylan Mulvaney or arguably myself. It is ridiculous to say the least. He doesn't look happy, but he is attempting to smile. Granted, he is in a Bud Light commercial, so uh, who could honestly say that they would smile in that instance? I understand. But it overall just looks awkward. And in terms of marketing, I almost would also argue there's a lot of real estate on his forehead. I mean, we're talking a lot of square inches of real estate. I'm honestly surprised they didn't just burn the Bud Light logo or get a tattoo of it right into his forehead because he seems to do anything for money and he's been doing this campaign for months long. Why not go all out and have it 24 seven advertising for Bud Light on such a large real piece of real estate? Now, I'm only partially joking. There have been some instances, I believe it's just for a Guinness World Book of Record or something like that, where someone did sell the advertising rights on a part of their body in exchange for a monetary gain. And it was, I forget, it wasn't good enough for me to actually remember the brand, so perhaps it's not as effective as they might think. But it was some type of brand they put the person's, the brand's logo on this person's body with a tattoo. But nevertheless, his awkward smile aside, it looks like you get a signed jersey with the number 18 on it and... I'm guessing it's Peyton. It's one of the brothers, but the signature is so bad. Yeah, people think, I mean, people think my handwriting is bad, and don't get me wrong, it is. But it's almost as if a toddler scribbled it down. And again, one with, you could kind of make out the M and the G. But I don't know, if you want to actually win something like that, I would suppose you'd want to actually have a signature that's moderately legible to say the least. And it does say his name on it. He's got Manning and big, big block letters. And I suppose some people do want to win it. Because again, free stuff. That topic will always be around. 
Now, smart marketing is actually tied directly to benefit the company and sales. And in this case, I guess it's a loss leader for data collection. Since again, to enter the sweepstakes, let's see here, comment for a chance to win. Although even this is, I'm not sure how they would go to the go around with the data capturing because in some sweepstakes, they actually have you go to an online, online website from Bud Light where you'll sell your soul or you know enter all your information out and they're entered in a chance to win a Bud Light product, which again is a fascinating example of how you can be a winner and a loser at the same time since Lord only knows what you would do with the case of Bud Light these days. I mean, can't but wonder just off the cuff, you know, pun intended, what would I do if I were to win a case of Bud Light in 2024? I suppose... I mean, I, I just rent a house out of a garden or anything, so I suppose I could use it as a as a low quality weed killer in the in the in the lawn, because you can pour it like that. Mm, you could use it to repel your friends who have a modicum of taste buds, so you can put it on the porch. And if there's ever a party or you don't want people coming by, they walk by your house and see Bud Light in the porch. Porch, and they just be so viscerally disgusted, they'd be like, eh, maybe maybe we don't bother pot, topping. We're not going to go to topping this party or get together. He clearly does not have a good modicum of taste buds. But, you know, seriousness. Going to the comments, and again, going back down, it did go pretty viral. So it did get 96.8 thousand views in 48 hours. So that's pretty darn good for Bud Light. Again, people love free stuff. Now, that being said, they're also a multi-billion dollar organization. And they had a brand that everyone knew and loved. So relative to the capabilities that's still pretty bad now they also did get 1.3 thousand likes now i do wonder how many of those are real and how many of them are just bots now going down to the comments we have a couple who actually appear to be real and they even have x twitter blue profile check marks where previous bud light comments or bud light post i couldn't help but notice especially for the free sweepstakes there's only one, no, there are technically two comments made by people with verified profiles, one of which was myself just critiquing the company. And more often than not, they're just unverified. And again, there are a lot of bots out there. And you go to the profiles and just completely just want free stuff. So let's go to the first person. This first person simply responded with hashtag sweepstakes, hashtag Peyton merch. And it has a crying emoji or glassy eyed emoji. And it's Broncos merch. Did they, when, when was the last time they won a Super Bowl? Did that happen when I was a kid? I'm curious. When was their last Super Bowl? Last. Was it? What it, was it? Broncos Super Bowl win. Was it 2003 or something like that? Do this? 2016. Really? Huh. So they didn't win a sports balls trophy. All right. So going to her profile. She looks like she is an authentic Broncos fan. Got a jersey profile. She joined in 2021, 12,000 followers. Let's see here. I'm going to her profile. I'll be damned. This might be this. Oh, what the? Is she a whore? I think she is a whore. I'm sorry. A woman of the night. Or as some people might say, modern day, a creative person. Or a content creator for certain sites. I say that because. So, one of her posts is her not hitting the gym enough, wearing 
a t-shirt and reveal it. What do you call it? Is that a thong? And she says, like, retweet, or say, hey, with two eyes, for my special giveaway. And then she says, 18 plus must be following. And she did get 830 likes. So she did get some people to like that. And then all of her other posts are about Denver Broncos. I was going to say with her. Yeah, I definitely went. Yeah, let's see. So Broncos fan and a lady of the night. That is the top. That is one of the first responses from Bud Light. But it is a real person. So I'll I'll be damned. That is pretty rare. That m might be the second or third time this in the past 60, 90 days that's actually happened with Bud Light. Interesting. And it, even more interesting, that got two... Two people like that, apparently. Let's see. Go to the second comment, which simply says, just the hashtags. That's from Paula. And she has 419 followers. And going to her profile, and she wants... Well, she wants everything. Every bullshit sweepstakes you could possibly imagine, from Maxwell earpieces. Never heard of that. To, what is it, avocado... We win avocados? Which I know people go crazy for those silly things, but... Yeah, she wants avocados, Oreos. She wants everything for free. She does a BS hashtag for, the ha for that hashtag millions where you could apparently win some gift card if you retweet it and tag friends. And sounds more like a Ponzi scheme than anything else. But, yeah, that's the, t the second response on the Bud Light. The next one comes from Dirt Money. And he says, let's ride. And does hashtags of the Bud Light with the gif of some is that manning yeah gif of the broncos player dirty money has 755 followers joined in 2012 and interesting real person a little trippy but they're not entering every dang raffle since the dawn of time this might be a personal best for bud light See one or, one or two more. Let's see. We have seated and singles on eBay. The hell is that? Well, that profile also did the hashtags, and they want to win. The heck is this? Trading cards. That's something we don't see every day. This person is retweeting for a chance to win trading cards, for a chance to win baseball tickets. More gift cards. So again, someone just wants free stuff. So, mostly failed. Now again, none of these are getting likes either. So, for the Bud Light team, I don't know if... Maybe... Hmm. Maybe it's just above their pay grade to actually like a comment for someone who did... Although, no, it, it, they have done that before. But, not this time. Now, going to the first comment that got likes comes from conservative political scientist slash server... This is a person, well, it's funny. Everyone says server, they think of a restaurant, I think of a computer. I wonder if this is a computer person. Yeah, it is. Person is conservative political scientist and server engineer. Pretty cool. He joined in 2021, 176 followers. Got the profile. Tweeting about Elon Musk, as well as, let's see, sports balls. So not a single thing of him asking for a gift. No, oh, wait, is this? Oh, it's the advertisement. No, wait. A minute, I got X. I'm paying for the premium thing. I thought I didn't have ads. Lame. Let's see. 
Interesting. Not a single tweet or repost about wanting to win gift cards. Coincidence? I think not. Now, he simply said nope and got 10 likes. And then you have thousands of people who want just buying free stuff. Now, only a couple, how many is this? Let's do a ballpark here. Pun moderately intended. One, two, three. I'd say only the first, maybe 20 are verified accounts. The rest are unverified. And there are 4,000 other, you know, non-verified. Now, another one comes from David Mangold. He simply said, still getting ratioed. They got eight likes. And scrolling down more and more, just a bunch of people doing the hashtags. Nothing, I mean, no one is liking it. Uh, Scott simply said, Peyton is working with child groomers. He's trash, unquote. And it's a picture of Bud Light with a Photoshop word that says uh, training fluid over the logo. They got two likes. Let's see here. Just popped into my head, said, quote, still wouldn't drink Bud Light even if it's free. I'm quoting three likes. Let's see here. So yeah, all the things that have like more than there are a couple of game one likes that just say, you know, hashtag, you know, Peyton hashtag merch or stuff like that. But yeah, is this really moving the needle forward for their sales department? Or is it just, you know, simply giving away free stuff to people who want free stuff? Again, that's why good marketing campaigns always correlate it directly to sales or some type of measurable goal. Which is why my my cybersecurity company. We have a promo where every, what is it? We have a promo where we give away a free flamethrower with every Q1 purchase. Again, in order to qualify for it, there has to be a certain revenue mark, usually is $30,000 or more. It has to be, you know, the purchase order is arrived and processed before the end of the fiscal quarter. And once it is, then we go, we buy the flamethrower, give it away to that person. So again, that's a very, that's very easy to measure that ROI. Because again, we're only giving away if the project actually comes to us. And you can actually mount it to your flamethrower. Go to toppingtechnologies.com to learn a little bit more. Flamethrowers are legal in a majority of states and there is an adapter included to mount it to your American rifle, also known as the AR-15. That's an instance where, again, very concise, very simple to understand and directly correlates to an objective, in this case, sales. In this case, I suppose you could argue brand Recognition is being increased, but again, I don't see this being good for Bud Light, and I don't see this boycott going away anytime soon, especially with the current marketing methodologies they're using. But it'll be interesting to see, as I always say, time shall tell. Now going over to the political part podcast, you have Vivek breaking down the mainstream media lies going viral. Now this comes to Vivek thanks to his personal ex-Twitter profile. And the statistics came in after 48 hours earlier this week. He got 1.3 million followers as well as 39,000 likes. And again, vernacular was messed up. He got 1.3 million views. Again, I'm not a doctor. However, I have a theory. If you click the subscribe button, it may very well assist with my speaking ineptitudes and perhaps dyslexia. Just saying, when I first started the show, a lot of grammar errors, a lot of speaking errors. But there were very few subscribers. Slowly but surely, as the show has gone on, there have been more increase in subscribers. The number of speaking ineptitudes have decreased. Granted, you might say there's only a modicum of improvement, but there is improvement nevertheless. 
So that's my current theory. So if you could click that button again, I would greatly appreciate it. So again, Vivek says, quote, the MSM lies like it's their profession, yet the abysmal failure of their business model suggests it's not even in their best interest anymore. Makes you think. Russia collusion, Hunter Biden laptop, Charlottesville, Bubba Wallace, Jesse Smollett, Covington Catholic kids, Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping, COVID lab fake Larry was a was a conspiracy theory, Steele dossier, don't say gay was in the bill, migrant kids in cages, Georgia electric integrity was the new Jim Crow, Duke lacrosse kids, January 6th video footage, Peaceful BLM riots, Ivermectum is a horse dewormer, Trump used tear gas to clear a crowd for a Bible photo, the list goes on and on. And again, as youth might say, they went viral to say the least. And yeah, it's fascinating to see how with time we found that, yeah, mainstream media lied about every single one of those bullet points. And even more fascinating to think some people still believe and trust the mainstream media, which is astonishing to say the least. Now, going to the comments section, one of the first ones comes from our favorite contrarian. Let me see here. By the name of Luke Zaliski, who, again, I follow partially just to gain a little better sample size of people who have differentiating opinions. Because, again, more opinions better. It makes life a lot more interesting. He says, quote, <coughs> again, Luke is what I would call a leftist, or politically speaking, far left. He says, quote, Vivek is a hedge fund guy who wants to, who wants you to believe he is interested in public service so he can eliminate government from public life and effect mount a private sector takeover the country. He can't say that, so he swallows his ambition in talking points to pander to you, unquote. While mentally vacuous, mostly, that did get 140 likes. Although I wonder, it did got 36 responses. Was he ratioed? Let's see. Mark Newman replied to him saying, quote, Luke, get some new material. You're cut and pasted the same dribble and try and steep facts and not gaslighting lies, unquote, getting 16 likes. So he was not ratioed. I'm actually fascinated. He actually did get more likes for him than the actual responses, which is an unusual thing for Luke. Interesting enough, he says he wants to eliminate government from, I was going to say, I'm trying to think of an instance where has the government done something good for you or done a task more efficient than the private sector could. Truth be told, I think most people think of the DMV and the United States Post Office as instances of the peak of ineptitudes. Perhaps the best metaphor for the government is when I go to the postal office, what was it, a couple of years ago, and the pinnacle of also many would argue union labor, I remember there's a line of about 13 people, and I had to get my passport, was it updated or redone, there's a line of 13 people, and there are two people working the cash registers and processing orders, and to the side, there's a gal, an employee of the, of, of the United States Postal Service, just on her cell phone, a line of 13 people, and she's just sitting there. Now, most people would probably just sit back, relax, you know, not worry about it, just, you know, shut up and walk in line. Me, trying to get out there a little bit sooner and trying to be more efficient, I politely just asked, oh, excuse me, ma'am, I know it's a little long line, would you be able to assist some of us? To which she sassily said, she ain't got time for that, she is a supervisor. So her job is to just stare and watch the two employees or to other employees as they processed orders while she sat there and played games on her cell phone. And of course, I was stuck there for hours on end because it is the most inefficient form of service I've seen in my life is the postal office. It's a joke, it's been a butted in joke for decades and yet their jobs are protected. Because again, there's their monopoly. The government forces you to use them for certain mailing mechanisms. The private sector is not allowed to compete. But I partially digress. Pack to some of the comments down here. 
Now, Elon Musk replied, and he said, yep. And that got 7.4 thousand likes, which is viral to say the least. You also have, pull up here, Bulldogs for Vivek saying, quote, every day we are grateful for Vivek's courage of entering the 24-hour election cycle. Vivek for VP. Let's see here. And that got 186 likes. Mark Rudove says, quote, the Democrats cannot win without lying, cheating, stealing, rigging, and censoring, and quote, getting 264 likes. Nice Guy P says, quote, don't forget the hydroxychloroquine overdoses hoax that turned out to be one case where one woman get, was intentionally trying to poison her husband. will stop at nothing to, quote, unquote, get Trump. That got 945 likes. Let's see, the Right Angle News Network said, quote, lies are their trade... Lies are the trademark of Marxism. Follow me if you agree. It got 850 likes. J.D. Sharp said, quote, They completely lost the trust of the general public, and they know it, which is why five years ago getting canceled was a huge worry, and now it's guaranteed to triple your popularity. See Donald Trump, Tucker Carlson, and Andrew Tate, unquote, getting 591 likes. And yes, it's one of those things where canceling must like someone calling someone an insult or complaining they're racist. That was used so much in the past, it's lost all meaning. So it's gotten to the point where no one cares and no one believes you anymore when it's being said. So, pretty, I think that's a pretty accurate statement there. You also have a gentleman by the name of Jeff Carlson. Now he says, quote, There's a hidden belief in what their business model really is, except they are extensions of the intelligence community and everything makes sense. Okay, I got 669 likes. Kyle Becker says, quote, America's institutions have been subverted by communists who are colluding with foreign powers. It is literally treasonous at this point, unquote, getting 286 likes. So as youth might say, well, uh, perhaps not the youth, an old soul might say, Vivek was vindicated, to say the least, with overwhelmingly popular support. And again, let me know in the comments, who do you know who still turns in to things like CNN or Fox News and does it because they authentically trust them and believe them, not because they want some type of comedic relief because of their hilarious ineptitudes. But be, I, I can't fathom, I mean, anecdotally speaking, I don't know anyone who still does that these days. It's just lost all meaning. They've just flushed their integrity down the toilet, intentionally lying to us time and time and time again in nauseam. So their subscriber count is, I mean, CNN after Trump lost, I mean, their ratings crashed over 50%, which ironically, because they were the ones who critiquing him the most, yet they benefited the most by critiquing him. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see as we continue to observe legacy media crumble and decrease in ratings, their revenue is abysmal compared to what it was in the past. How long can we really stick in there? How many people truly tune in and truly appreciate what, what they offer as a service? I can't help but think it's barely enough to stay alive, certainly not to grow anytime soon. But, as I always say, time shall tell. Now going over to the business blunder of the day, you have Honda to recall 750,000 vehicles due to default and faulty airbags, even the iconic Honda Civic. Now, this shouldn't be too much of a surprise since unfortunately one of the downsides of the automotive community is they don't make many of the subcomponents that go into their vehicles. Perhaps the most famous recall in history, and the biggest recall in history, is certainly related to the Takata airbags, which are so bad it actually bankrupt the company. 
that's where you saw, again, these airbags are put in pretty much every manufacturer on the planet, and the chemical compound wasn't safety enough to maintain over time. And they, unfortunately, they turned to become destructive, well, not in the legal sense of destructive device, that's a interesting NFA item for another time, another topic perhaps, but destructive to say the least. Now specifically, this comes from Money Watch and CBS News. They note that Honda is recalling more than 750,000 vehicles to replace defective sensor that could result in the front passenger airbags inflating unintentionally, potentially harming smaller children or adults in a crash. They note that the front passenger seat weight sensor could crack or short circuit failing to turn off the airbag when it's supposed to, according to documents posted by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. They also note that the sensors are meant to disable the airbags when kids and smaller adults are sitting in the front seats. Now, they note that dealers will replace the sensors at no cost to the vehicle's owner, obviously, who will receive a notification at the beginning of March 18th, or just send this video over to them, and they'll know right then and there. Ahead of the curve, some might say. Now, unfortunately, re calls affecting a lot of their iconic models, including the Honda Pilot, Honda Accord, Civic Sedan, whew, I'm safe, HRV, Odyssey models through 2020 through 2022 model years, including also the 2020 Fit to Honda, oh, 2020 Honda Civic Coupe, 2021, 2022 Honda Civic Hatchback, 2021 Honda Civic Type R, and Insight in 2020 and 2021 CRV, CRV Hybrid, Passport, Ridgeline, and and Accord Hybrid. Haha, I'm safe. Got lucky for once. My 2018 Civic Si lives on. With the stick shift by default. That's I highly respect Honda for having to model a true enthusiast vehicle that only comes with a stick shift. Honda Civic Si and Type R. Very rare these days in the automotive community. Now, they also know that impacted models from the accurate luxury brand include the 2020 and 2022 MDX, 2020 to 2022 RDX, and 2020 and 2021 TLX. Which, again, Honda owns Acura, very similar to the, or exactly similarly, to Toyota owning Lexus, which, I don't know what it is about luxury brands always wanting to use some type of nomenclature like the MDX, RDX, instead of an actual name for a vehicle. A controversy or marketing dilemma or debate for another time, I understand. They also note that Honda has received more than 3,800 warranty claims due to the problem beginning June 30th, 2020, and January 19th, 2024, automaker said in a statement filed with the state regulator has not received any reports of injuries or death. So again, there's a silver lining in this situation. And again, I always tell people, if you squint hard enough in life, you can usually find a silver lining. And in this case, thankfully, this hasn't affected anyone's life and they haven't been hurt in any way. Now, that being said, still a terrible business blunder because again, it's one of those things where They'll always stress the fact that this isn't going to cost a consumer anything, which technically is true. You're not having to swipe the credit card or rarely, as some people still do, they use cash. They're not, you just go to the dealership and they'll fix it. However, that's still costing you time and time is everything. And in some cases, if you don't have a spouse, you can drop it off for you. If you're going to the dealership, you're also going to spend gas money. You're also going to have a decreased perception of the brand. It's also inconvenient. You may be out of it. They don't specify if this is like a one-hour fix or a multi-hour fix, which in some cases may necessitate that car being there at the dealership overnight while it's being fixed. And again, it's a Honda. It's supposed to be bulletproof. That's one of the best things about them. The last a million miles, this brilliant, exceptional Japanese engineering. And yet they keep having these types of recalls where, again, 
very thankful no one has been hurt from this instance, but you still have to go to the dealership and it still decreases your, your perception of the brand quality of the vehicle and it's still not convenient. Now, again, it's not related to the drivetrain. Again, another silver lining is it doesn't have anything to do with the engine or the transmission, which is also good for Honda because that means it won't be astronomically expensive or prohibitively expensive to actually pay to fix these vehicles. But still, having a recall that affects so many vehicles, I mean, 750,000 vehicles. And again, your whole brand, especially Honda and Toyota, their brand is reliability bar none. It's almost a joke how re well reliable they usually are. Top Gear has many episodes where they'll do like a competition to see who could, which vehicle will last the longest. And the Japanese vehicles are so reliable, they'll make it to the end of the show. And what was it? A, was it 2000? Was it 1999 Toyota Celica? They had an instance where no matter how much they beat the crap out of the vehicle, the Toyota kept running. They got to the point where they drained the oil. They kept driving it around. It still ran before the engine seized up, obviously, because there's no oil. But it still went around the course a couple times. They're that reliable. So they have something where, again, your core brand is all about reliability. They have so many recalls, especially the ones where you have to go to the dealership and they're going to have to, you know, in this case, it might not be a physical wrench. It's more, you know, cloth and cutting. But nevertheless, it's going to involve some wrench time. That still has to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Again, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of February. So if you click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, leave me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. A comment is a great way to give me some additional feedback, letting me know how I can make the show better and better. Sharing the episode is also greatly appreciated. It helps with the YouTube and all the algorithms. Also, don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe. Fight the good fight.